Hey, it's you, man, from KC95 here. Good evening, and welcome to Toasted Tavern. Your host, Scott Tobin, and the man called Wags are ready to bring you the night in sports. So pull up a stool, grab a drink, and let's get toasted. Good evening, everybody. I'm Wags, joined alongside by Scott Tobin, fresh from the lake. He's enjoying a nice couple of days down there in this brutal heat, but at least you get to be around some water, man. How how you doing, Scott? I'm good, man. Yeah, it was really warm today. I actually uh, got up this morning and went to Haha Tonka State Park, which I can actually see from my deck. But I got up early this morning and took my dog, and we did some hiking, and then hung out around the water the rest of the day because it was freaking hot this afternoon, man. It was right around 100 degrees down here today. And same thing up here, and it's going to be around 100 degrees again tomorrow here. So uh, make sure everybody stays cool, stays hydrated. Make sure you just be smart tomorrow as uh, we got one more day of real bad heat before uh, a little bit of a break here this upcoming weekend. As Oh, well, hey, guess what? The Cardinals are coming back in town this weekend, so that's pretty good. Uh, but speaking of the Cardinals, we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. It's also the start of NHL free agency. We'll get into the talk about what the Blues did and didn't do, as well as some other teams. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the next phase in the NCAA saga that uh, is now targeting the SEC. And uh, a guy uh, attended training camp in the, the last couple of days and uh, had a press conference today. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. So lots to talk about as we go along. And uh, hello, Abomination Gaming. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh Let's start with the Cardinals, though, because afternoon game today, one of the last games really before the trade deadline really takes hold and a, a potential statement game for the for the Cardinals as far as their fans are concerned uh, going up against Cleveland. Can, can we still call them the Indians or are they the Guardians now? Uh, they're still the Indians for a little while longer. They took on the Indians today, and it was a, a bit of a homer fest uh, on both sides. You know, we had a couple of home runs hit by the Cardinals, but also a couple of home runs hit by uh, the Indians today. Uh, a 7-2 loss. KK goes just two and two-thirds, gives up five runs, four home runs. Dylan Carlson, though, does hit another bomb today. He's starting to heat up as well. And the other part of this is Nolan Arenado, a hip on the hand today, a hit by the pitch, and uh, left the game. But uh, everything sounds like he might be back in the lineup on Friday. But uh, I was at work today, so I didn't get a chance to catch the game live. Scott, tell me a little bit about what you saw today and really what it could mean for the Cardinals as the trade deadline approaches. Uh, it was a frustrating game, man. Uh, it really was. You know, they came out and, uh, you know, they got a run in the first inning. You know, first inning run, got a couple of hits. Yanni gets an RBI single. You go up one nothing. KK just wasn't sharp. He got through the first inning, looked okay. Got into the second inning, hit a guy, then gave up a two-run homer. Then you go to the third inning. You know, Dylan Carlson hits a home run in the top of the third, ties the game up at 2-2. Two -two. KK goes back out there and gives up three home runs in the third <clears throat> inning. I mean, looked like he was throwing batting practice. He had nothing on the ball, couldn't throw inside. You know, he his velocity was down, uh, didn't look good at all. You know, so it was 5-2 to two after the third inning, and then uh, – Cardinals brought in a relief pitcher. I'm trying to remember who they brought in. It might have been Miller. Jay Miller, yeah. In the fourth inning, uh, he gave up a pair of doubles. So it was 7-2. to Cardinals really had one chance to get back in that game. I mean, early in the game, they were hitting the ball. They had seven hits in the first four innings. And then that fifth inning, the inning that Arenado got hit, they had runners on first and second, and Yachty hit a ball that everybody pretty much thought was either off the top of the wall or going to be a three-run homer. And the left fielder climbs the wall, makes the catch, and takes the hit away, ends the inning. Arenado has to come out of the game that next half inning, and the Cardinals were just kind of done after that. Bullpen pitched pretty well, other than that one inning. You know, didn't give up any runs. I think they only gave up one hit the rest of the game. But, uh, yeah, after Nolan came out, it was just kind of – and the ball that Yachty hit got caught. It just kind of took the air out of the out of the sails of them today. Frustrating. You know, you were hoping you'd pull that sweep, but at least you split in Cleveland. And, you know, now you come home, we'll see what happens the next couple of days with the trade deadline. And let's hope that uh, Cleveland or that Minnesota makes a trade because Barrios is supposed to pitch on Friday night. Hopefully he'll be somewhere besides Minnesota by the time that game starts at 7-15 on Friday night. Yeah, there's been a lot of rumors about Bar Barrios as well, uh, especially with the, the Padres and Dodgers among six teams, I believe, interested in the young pitcher. And, I, you know, it's – it almost feels like if, if the deal's going to happen, he will not pitch on Friday night because they're not going to send him out there and then eventually, you know, pull him 
one, two, three innings into that game. So as of right now, he is projected to start, but we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Arenado hit by pitch, and you know it definitely took the sails, uh, the wind out of the sails of this game. And like, you know, like you said, the the Yachty ball that was caught as well. Everything that you're hearing sounds like he should be good to go for for Friday night. Do you expect that to be the case? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's kind of what Nolan said. You know that. You know, he tried to he tried to come back out to play defense that next inning, and it, he got hit right under the elbow. I mean, you could see the whelp as soon as it happened, and then you know just kind of got that nerve, and so he just couldn't get a good feeling as he was trying to throw the ball at infield practice in between innings, and decided to come out. But you would think, you know, within a few hours that will hopefully go away, and you know, no structural damage. You know, it hit him in the meaty part. It just kind of got him right where that nerve is around the elbow, and you kind of. Get, go numb and lose a little bit of feeling in your hand for a while. So he should be good by Friday, hopefully. Yeah, we've all had that uh, that nice little funny bone nerve area hit your elbow, your knee as well, your collide knees on the basketball court, and you just, you just go numb for a little while. So it's good to hear that he's very likely going to be back on Friday because we cannot afford to lose a guy like Nolan Arenado at this point in time. Uh, I spoke earlier about Dylan Carlson hitting another home run. He was two for four today as well. It's good to see him starting to heat up. And we talked uh, the other day about – we talked to Tom Ackerman a little bit and talked a little bit about this Monday night, uh, really about how that that outfield is really starting to come together. And we saw it again at this point. Uh, we talk about needing stuff at the trade deadline. The bench bat is something that the Cardinals are going to need. Uh, it, not sure who they're going to go after. We put out a little a trade proposal earlier today about uh, – you know, something with the Texas Rangers with Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. Is Ian Kennedy one of those guys that you could really look at as being that bench bat that the Cardinals need? He's a relief pitcher. Is oh, what am I saying? Oh my gosh, I was thinking Adam Kennedy for some reason. Holy yeah. moly! See, this is what happens when I work nine hours in a day and don't get a chance to watch sports. Oh my gosh! Uh, so really, who who is the who is the bench bat that you would be targeting? Um, I, we talked about this with Tom Ackerman the other day, and then another show in the area. Stole it. Yeah, somebody stole the uh, stole my idea. People watching our show, but Josh Harrison from the Nationals, I think, would be the perfect guy. We Cardinal fans remember him from Pittsburgh. His Pittsburgh days. You know, he can play second, third, short, and he can play some outfield. You know, he's got a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. You know, he would just he would be a perfect guy to fill that to fill that need because you got to do something. I mean. You know, Matt Carpenter DH these last two days, and he did get a hit last night that set up the Paul Dion home run. But other than that, he was one for eight in the series, struck out six times. Um, you know, the guy's still hitting 180. You know, he hasn't hit a home run since the first of May. You know, the, the power's not there occasionally anymore from Carpenter, even. So, you know, it's just frustrating. You've got to do something there. So, I think Josh Harrison would be a good possibility. Another guy that I've talked about that I would really like to see him make a run at is Adam Duvall. Mm -hmm. from the Marlins, you know, left-handed outfielder, which we've talked about a long time, the Cardinals could use. And, you know, there's a real power threat. He's got like 18 home runs playing part-time. So that would be another guy. Those would be the top two guys on my list because I think you can get both of them for a mid-level minor leaguer. Yeah, you very well could. And I'm just wondering what this uh, Washington Nationals COVID outbreak may do uh, with the trade deadline as well because you talk about, you know, Harrison being from the Nats. that They've got – Four players and eight staffers that tested positive for COVID-19. They're postponing games against the Phillies. Obviously, it's going to affect the trade market potentially for Max Scherzer as well. Are our teams potentially going to be scared off from trading with Washington because of this COVID outbreak? Well, it's possible, definitely. You know, and, and at what point does Washington make their team get vaccinated? Because this is like the third time that we've had an outbreak with the Nationals in the last year and a half. You know, it's it's kind of ridiculous at this point. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, we'd heard rumors that, you know, a Scherzer deal could be finalized tonight sometime. But does that push that back or put it completely in jeopardy? And, you know, same thing with guys like Trey Turner and Harrison and all these – Kyle Schwarber, all these possible guys that we've heard about moving. So it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the trade market in general over the next 24 or 48 hours. Yeah, and it looks like as far as right now is concerned – they're still planning to play games tomorrow. Uh, they have a makeup game as part of a doubleheader starting at 12.05 tomorrow. They have guys that tested negative, and they're going to test them one more time before uh, game time just to make sure – 
they can actually get these games to play. So they're really not going to miss a ton of games, but it very well could affect if teams want to deal with them. Because if a guy like Harrison or, or Scherzer may be one of the guys that's out, because Trey Turner was a guy that potentially was on the market, and he tested positive. So do they trade him? Can they trade him? And will a team will it be willing to bring him on and maybe quarantine him for a little bit and then get him back for the stretch run? That's going to be the big, big question. It's it's one of those unprecedented things that we're looking at that we kind of went through a little bit last year, but even more so now with the, the vaccinated versus unvaccinated and now these breakthrough cases, because they're saying that a bunch of these uh, cases came from those that were given the single shot Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So it's not like they're unvaccinated guys. They're vaccinated and yet they're still getting it. So it, it's really going to murk up this trade deadline as we get closer to it on Friday. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's not just the Nationals. We saw Christian Yelich. Yep. Went on the disabled list with the Brewers yesterday. You know, and he, same thing. He's vaccinated, but he tested positive. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this ha- what happens with t- guys moving around. and Because there's a lot of movement already, and we're still two days away from the uh, trade deadline. There were a lot of there were a lot of big-name guys that moved today. Yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about that because I think the biggest one, and it's still not technically finalized. They're still going through some things, and it may not – Actually, may not even go through, as we've heard just in the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes, potentially. But the big one is Joey Gallo going from Texas to New York. And you and I were messaging back and forth a little while ago about this. And you're like, I I don't understand this move by the Yankees. Like, why are you going after a guy like Joey Gallo? They also got reliever John King as well. Uh, It's going to be for a package of five or six prospects. Once again, not finalized yet, pending physicals and it's not high-end prospects that they're getting. They're getting some mid- to low-level prospects in this as well. And once again, it kind of brings up the question, what are the Rangers going to accept? And we'll get then to a potential trade that we put out there today with the Cardinals and Rangers as well. But I, I want to know what your thoughts are on, on potentially Joey Gallo going to the Yankees. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised by it. I mean, Gallo's going to hit a ton of home runs in Yankee Stadium. That short porch in right field being left-handed, you know, he may hit 70 home runs in that ballpark with the power the guy has. But, I mean, it, it's a move that really surprises me. When you look at the Yankees, I mean, you've got Stanton, you've got Judge. So now you've got th- another guy. You know, you've got Glaber Torres. You've got all these guys that are home run or nothing type hitters for the most part. And now you've added another one. And you haven't really addressed – I mean, I know the Yankees' offense has struggled to a point this year. But, you know, if I'm the Yankees, I'm still trying to fix all of my pitching issues. Um, just seems like an odd move to me. I don't know. We'll see how it – See how it plays out, but uh, yeah, I was a little surprised because, like I said, you've got guys like Joey Gallo and Judge and Stanton already in New York. Yeah, it's it's adding more power to a power lineup, and yeah, maybe they're sitting there going, hey, if we're not going to be able to get pitching, we might as well outmatch people, and that's what they've done in the past with the Bronx Bombers, but yeah, it's, it's real interesting that this would be the move that they would make. I, I almost feel like it might be a precursor to other moves as well. Maybe they're thinking, hey, if we bring in Joey Gallo now, maybe we can flip him for pitching as well. But if that's the case, you know, why would the Rangers do that as well? And we talk about the fact that it's five or six prospects, but it's low-level prospects. We put out a trade proposal today between the Rangers and Cardinals that brought the Cardinals, Kyle Gibson, and Ian Kennedy, and sent the Rangers, Andrew Kisner, Angel Rondon, Malcolm Nunez, and Andre Palante. But then you look at it and you go, is that too much now? for the Rangers, or would that be something that they would actually look at doing? I mean, like you said, looking at the package that Gallo got, it might almost be too much, um, you know, because you've got, you know, none of those guys are in your top 10. You know, the first Rondon's your highest of those guys as your number 10 prospect. And then I think Nunez was like 13 or 14. And then Pilate is like 20. And then Kisner, you know, which is that catcher prospect, or, you know, it's still a pretty highly sought-after catching prospect. So, you know, after seeing what the Rangers did, maybe you get could pull off a package that's a little bit less than that. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, it makes you wonder what the Rangers are thinking because maybe they're thinking, okay, we're not going to be able to compete for three or four or five years, so let's not go after the very high prospects. Let's go for some of these lower-level guys that's going to take a couple of years for them to develop. So maybe you could go with a bigger number of draft picks or minor leaguers, but, you know, farther away from being major league ready. 
Yeah, and we got a really interesting split, too. We put this out uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. On the Twitter side of things, 94% of people thought that deal was perfect. Get it done and, and don't worry about it. But on the flip side, on Facebook, almost 67 or 68% of people said, no, no, that's too much. That's too much. So uh, Cardinal Nation is split as well on that deal. Uh, and we'll see if anything along those lines happens because the Cardinals do need some pitching. Uh, and they do need a bench bat, a, a bench bat. So we'll see over the next 24, 48 hours what exactly transpires when it comes to the Cardinals. Uh, a couple other uh, big time moves: say Starling Marte goes from the Marlins to the A's. Jesus Lazardo goes to Miami. Uh, what do you think of that deal? Uh, I was a little surprised that Oakland traded Lazardo because he's one of their top young prospects for a guy in Marte who you've only got through the end of the season. It's a rental, so that's a risky move from Oakland if you can't lock Marte up. Yeah, it really is, and, and Oakland's been known to flip guys that they just get in a trade as well, and I don't know if that's going to be the case in this aspect, but it, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility with a couple of days still left to go into the, the deadline. Uh, the Brewers get Eduardo Escobar from the D-backs. Uh, Cooper Hummel and Alberto Ciprian go to the D-backs, and that, that's another one of those you look at and you go, oh, okay, a catching prospect. Well, they just got Carson Kelly from the Cardinals. Uh, are, are they – looking at maybe replacing him already? And, and what does Escobar do for the Brewers as they continue to try and hold down that NL Central? Yeah, Escobar is a big bat. I mean, you know, if he hits like he did in Arizona and Milwaukee, which is a hitter's ballpark, that could really help their offense because the Brewers' offense has not been good this year. And like we talked about a while ago, Christian Yelich is on the disabled list right now because of COVID. So that could definitely be help fill some of that void in Milwaukee's lineup. So uh, we'll see how he hits in that uh, ballpark that I wanted to say Miller Park, but it's not Miller Park anymore. I don't even know what they're calling it now. And you know what? I'm, I'm at a point now where even with all these sponsorships, I, I just go back to the standard. Whatever I, I knew it as last, that's where I'm going to go with. And that's what it's going to be. I still can't get past Climate Pledge Arena up in Seattle. I mean, I get the, the concept behind it and I understand it. And I, and I wish them all the best on keeping things healthy and, and just safe up there but come on climate pledge arena come on come on come on uh the astros uh acquire marlins closer yimmy garcia for brian de la cruz and austin pruitt uh, it seems like the astros are really going to make a push to to get into the playoffs and make a run this year as well and that's one of those teams that has kind of flown under the radar this year um do they do they have the ability i know correa's uh been dealing with injuries but do they have enough to, to make a run in the playoffs if their pitching holds up i mean they've been surprisingly good all year you know, every time you start to write the Astros off, they prove you wrong. So we'll see. The American League is going to be really interesting. And there were some rumors coming out of one of the other American League teams, not the White Sox. There were at least some rumors that the White Sox and Cubs were talking about a trade that would send Craig Kimbrell and Javi Baez to the White Sox. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if the uh, crosstown rivals would actually pull off a trade like that. But uh, that was at least a rumor I saw about an hour ago. Wow. Well, I mean, as we've talked in the past couple of days, you know, rumors are just that. Uh, there's a lot of BS flying around from GMs and newspapers and stations and all that kind of stuff. So you never know totally what to believe, but that would be a big one. That would be a big one for sure. So just taking a quick glance at the uh, the standings right now as we get closer to the deadline. Uh, Boston has a two-game lead over Tampa Bay in the AL East. And as of right now, nothing really much has been done between those two teams as far as going out and making any moves. Do you see either of those teams bolstering their, their opportunity uh, to make a deep run in the playoff with the trade? Uh, there was a rumor earlier today that the Rays were at least looking at Chris Bryant. That would be interesting. And then we've heard Anthony Rizzo tied to the Red Sox. So, you know, those two Cubs pieces could go. Um, both of those teams could use a boost at those positions. So those would both be interesting. That that word, and then you look at the central. The White Sox had the nine-game lead over Cleveland, uh, who today once again beat the Cardinals seven to two. Is that a big enough lead for Cleveland to sit back and go, okay, we we do have to sell, we have to get rid of some guys? Do you see a guy like Jose Ramirez go anywhere? I don't think he's going to. Um, there were some rumors that he might, but I think Cleveland's going to hold on to him. That's a smart move. I mean, after losing the guys that you've lost in the last couple of years, I think you got to have somebody that you can build around. So, uh, and looking at that AL West, I, I was shocked. I mean, the, the, the Astros are up six games over Oakland right now. So, like you said, you write them off, you write them off, and yet they're still there. And then you've got Seattle sitting there just kind of 
hanging around a little, a couple games back of that wild card. There was that rumor that they were looking to acquire Whit Merrifield. Have we heard any updates on that, or are we looking at somebody else potentially going to Seattle? Yeah, it's kind of going silent on on that front the last couple of days. So, uh, but that doesn't mean it's dead. You know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, Seattle's been the surprise team. I really thought they would do something, you know, since they've got a shot to make the playoffs, and it's been 20 years since the last time they were there. So I would be surprised if we don't see Seattle do something else before it's over. Yeah, I can see that as well. And then you've got in the National League, I think, you know, the Central, we kind of know where things are at. Maybe the Reds make a move as they push for a wild card spot. The Giants, if they're going to do anything, it's going to be small. Obviously, the Dodgers and Padres are going to look at pitching. Max Scherzer being the big name between the two of them, as well as Barrios, uh, potentially going to one of those two teams. I could see one of them. I could see each of those teams getting one of those guys and then the other going to the other one just to kind of keep that arms race going. But the one area I'm really looking at is going to be that NL East between the Mets, Phillies, and Braves. All three teams within five games of each other. Obviously, Philly had a couple games postponed with the Nats because of the COVID stuff. But any moves for any of those three teams that are being rumored that could potentially put one of those teams over the top? You know, I mean, the Mets have been looking for – Mets went out and got Rich Hill the other day, which was the starting pitcher they needed. You know, there have been rumors that they've talked to Chris Bryant, that they've talked about Josh Donaldson. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the Mets got a third baseman. Um, I don't really see Atlanta doing a whole lot. They haven't been above 500 this year yet. Uh, so I don't know that they're going to do – I don't know. I'm not sure the Braves are going to do anything. Um, and then Philly, you know – I. Philly's the most frustrating team because they've got a ton of talent on that club, but they just can't seem to get over the hump. I wanted to jump right back to the National League West, though. You talked about the Giants. There are two big rumors. You said the Giants might not do anything big. There were two rumors today that the Giants were talking to the Cubs about Chris Bryant and that there are some people that think the Giants are going to be the team that lands Scherzer out of those three teams. So, um, you know, and then it's possible that Scherzer doesn't go to any of those teams. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting. Couple of days, man. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of back and forth and a lot of rumors. And you know, as a Cardinal fan, I just want us to do something. I I agree. I ad- agree because there's another team in St. Louis that, as of right now, hasn't done jack squat. As NHL free agency opened up today, the St. Louis Blues were looked at as being a team that could potentially maybe make a move here or there, bring in a guy that could help them out. And as of right now, there nothing's been done. And you look at the guys that they've lost. Obviously, they lost Vince Dunn in the expansion draft. Well, today, Jaden Schwartz signs a five-year, $27.5 million deal with the Seattle Kraken. It felt like that was going to happen anyway. I mean, he was negotiating with Seattle during that period before the expansion draft. They couldn't really come to terms, but it felt like, hey, once free agency opens up, he's probably going there. And and congratulations to Jaden Schwartz. You know, he, he great guy. Uh, his family has obviously gone through a lot. So getting that security of even more money and being set up and helping spread that, that knowledge of the research because of his sister, Mandy, I, I'm glad Jaden got paid. Uh, the other one was Mike Hoffman. He signed a three-year, $13.5 million with the Montreal Canadiens. Something that I was talking about last night up at, at our hockey game was, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, where's Hoffman going? I was like, well, it's going to be Montreal. It's going to be Montreal. And I'm sitting there going, man, please let it be Montreal. I want to be right. And, of course, it was. He does go up to Canada, gets the $13.5 million to play in Montreal. Uh, the Blues continue to lose players. They still have Vladimir Tarasenko. He has not been traded yet. And they have not made a single signing. And Rodney Hale jumps on and, and says, Brandon Saad and Thomas Tatar looking like the likely options for the Blues. And, I mean, I could see Brandon Saad coming here for sure. But all of this still stems on Vladimir Tarasenko and if he's going to be traded or not. I, we thought it was going to happen by this point in time, you know, before the free agency opened up so the Blues could do something. But nothing has happened yet. And you think that there's uh, something going on between Tarasenko and Doug Armstrong that's making this almost impossible to actually happen? Well, you know, there were we've heard so many conflicting reports going back and forth. You know, we heard a couple of days ago that Vladdy was open to any trade, you know, that he would go anywhere. And then Doug Armstrong came out yesterday and basically said that that's not true, that they'd had a couple of possible moves worked out and Vladdy's camp squashed those deals because he refused to go there. 
So, you know, is the animosity between those two so bad at this point that Vladdy's going to do whatever he can to hurt the Blues and Armstrong's going to hold on to him and, you know, it's just going to go back and forth and it could just be a – I mean, it's looking like something that could really screw this franchise up for the near future and maybe the long term in the next three or four years, honestly, the way it's going right now. It could uh, because, like you said, Tarasenko could – basically drag his feet and the blues may not get the best deal possible. Although, you know, there's some rumors out there that the, the blues and the Islanders have been talking and, and working out something to get Tarasenko to New York and get some stuff back here in return uh, for the blues. And that's, that's kind of the reason why the blues and the Islanders may be the reason why they haven't done anything as far as free agency is concerned. The blues and Islanders are the only two teams that have not officially announced any signings once the free agency period is open. And, uh, it sounds like uh, from Joey Palazzo, Palazzolo that that might be because they're working on a deal with Tarasenko, restricted free agents, something along those lines uh, to make this trade happen. Uh, so we'll see. It, it's very possible that, that Tarasenko might go up there. But like you said, if he vetoes a trade to them, you're right back in that same boat. And then he's going to end up coming back to St. Louis. And does he actually play well? Does he actually play at all? What does all of that actually mean? And it's just, it's very, very frustrating, and, and you were on some message boards earlier today, and once again, we know message boards, it's fans, it is what it is, but a lot of people are getting really upset with Doug Armstrong right now, and it almost sits there and makes Mo feel like he's back on top of the world. Yeah, for about 48 hours, and if he doesn't do, if he doesn't do anything, then he's back at the bottom again, but yeah, you, you know, you're seeing a lot of people saying, you know, that Armstrong's screwed this franchise up, that he's not doing anything, that he doesn't want to win. You know, we're seeing a lot of the same stuff that we hear about the Cardinals every day from Cardinal fans on messages that the Cardinals don't want to win and blah, 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 and they don't try. And, you know, you know that that's not true. You know, they're working with what they can do. And, you know, sometimes things don't work out the way that fans want them to. And then, they're, oh, you didn't do what I wanted, so you don't want to win. You know, it's like, come on, man. You know, that's just like we were talking. And the same thing with the Blues, but it, go back to the Cardinal thing, just like that poll that we put out today where you said, you know, half of the fans on Facebook said, oh, no, that's too much. You know, Cardinal fans want the Cardinals to do something. They want them to give to get everybody, but they don't want them to trade anybody. Don't trade anybody in our system. You know, get us, you know, get us going Joey Gallo and Max Scherzer and Kyle Gibson and trade Matt Carpenter and, uh, you know, Andrew Miller and make that work. And then they get mad when they, you know, people don't live in reality. You know, stuff like that doesn't happen. Yeah, and a lot of this stuff is, you know, Doug Armstrong has a bit of his hands tied. You know, he can't go out there right. and make big free agent signings when you've got the, the contract of Vladimir Tarasenko sitting there, and you can't get rid of that unless a team offers you something and you go from there. Everybody was looking for Gabriel Landeskog to come here, and he signed, re-signed with Colorado last night before free agency opened up. Everything that we've heard seems to make it sound like he was never going anywhere anyway and St. Louis wasn't even really an option and once again it goes back to the don't believe any of the BS that's being put out there because just because somebody said that he would like to come to St. Louis doesn't actually mean he probably said it so he could have overheard somebody could have overheard something that may not have been true so you know Landis Gog I think it was a, a bit of a pipe dream for us anyway um he stays with Colorado, but it's going to really make the next couple of years really interesting over there in, in Colorado because they got to sign Nathan McKinnon to a long-term deal here real soon as well. And they just signed Landis Gock. They just re-upped Kale McCarr. Uh, they just traded for Darcy Kemper, which means their goaltending situation is pretty solid right now. And I, I'll be perfectly honest. If Colorado doesn't want to stay in the cup in the next two years, fans might riot there. And this team could go the way of the Chicago Blackhawks without winning a cup. Well, let's look at it this way. Who owns who owns the abs? Uh, a, a fellow by the name of Cronky, I believe. Yeah, good old Enos. So if there's a way to screw up that organization, he'll find it. I just thought of something, though, and this should make Blues fans feel really good. Not really, but uh, here's the perfect comp. Is Vladimir Tarasenko the Blues version of Matt Carpenter? Ooh. Was Matt Carpenter ever as good as Vladimir Tarasenko in his prime, though? Matt Carpenter was a MVP. He was an MVP finalist. He was a three-time All-Star. He was a. He almost Ooh. won a batting title. Um, yeah, I, I think he was. 
You know what? We're going to have to put that poll out there and, and see what kind of reaction we get from that. Is Vladimir Tarasenko the Matt Carpenter of the Blues or vice versa, Matt Carpenter, the Vladimir Tarasenko of the Cardinals? Yeah, we're going to have to put that out there. I and mean, for those of you that are listening right now, what do you think? Do you, do you think Vladimir Tarasenko is the Matt Carpenter of the St. Louis Blues? Because that's a really interesting question. I hadn't even thought about that before. It just uh, popped into my head just now. Like I was like, ooh, I had to bring this up. That, yeah. I mean, the more you think about it, a guy that's now dealt with any Now, Carpenter, I mean, he's dealt with some injuries, but nothing to the extent of, of a Tarasenko. But once again, high promise, flashes of greatness, and then kind of fallen by the wayside. Now, I look at Carpenter and go, yeah, he's a guy that's going to do everything he can for the Cardinals, whether he's good or not. He's not one that's going to complain, whereas Tarasenko is, is like kind of pushing himself out. But it's also a little bit due to management. But as far as like play on the field and, and the place that he holds is in, as far as in fans' minds, yeah, I could see that being the case. Well, and then there's the contract thing with both of yeah. them too that kind of limits what you can do because they're both getting paid a lot. And you know, while Carpenter didn't have to have surgeries, I mean, Carpenter has had chronic back problems, yeah. which I think, which I think is what's caused this fall off in his career. I just don't think he's ever been the same mm -hmm. since he started having those back issues. I can definitely, definitely see that being the case. Uh, well, one positive note. Uh, let's jump over to the NFL because we. <laughs> We talked a little bit about this on Monday on if he'd actually show up or if he would retire or not. But Aaron Rodgers did report to Packers training camp. And today he had a press conference. And I'll be perfectly honest. I, I, didn't, I did not expect Green Bay to allow him to talk to reporters. And I also didn't think that uh, Aaron Rodgers would actually talk to reporters the way he, would, he talked to reporters today. Because he basically ripped the Packers front office. Uh, he said he wanted to be more involved in organizational decisions, team building, free agent recruitment activities, and he did contemplate retirement in the offseason as well. And he added, Green Bay is not a vacation destination. Players come here to play with me. Uh, wow. I mean, this is just getting messier and messier in Green Bay. And I, I'm, I'm here for it. I, I, as T.O. would say, I got my popcorn. I'm ready to go. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers – uh, didn't make himself look good in this press conference. It may, basically came out like, hey, look at me. I'm the biggest douchebag on the planet because, you know, forget about the Packers' history or, you know, this being title town. Nobody wants to come here except for me because it's all about Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, that's obviously what the guy thinks and how his mindset is. And, yeah, I think the Packers just won the PR battle just with Aaron Rodgers opening his mouth today because it just, like I said, it makes him look like, an even bigger douchebag than we already thought he was. So is that why they let him talk to the media? I mean, I know you, you have to have player availability, but were they were they kind of hoping that he would almost essentially put his foot in his mouth and give them another license and another reason for him to be gone after this season? I mean, basically this right here says either the fans are going to love him and back him, or they're going to be like, okay, Green Bay, we, we get it. We understand. We'll get through this year. But after that, we are happy to move on. I mean, is this was this kind of calculated by the, the the front office of the Packers to see maybe if he can go before the end of the year? You know what? It's it's interesting. It could be calculated by the Packers. It could be calculated by Aaron Rodgers because maybe Aaron Rodgers thought, you know what? I'm going to have a press conference, talk about how great I am, talk about that I'm the reason nobody wants to come to Green Bay except to see me. Maybe I piss everybody off in Green Bay and they decide, you know what, we just need to get this guy out of here now. Very, very true. But uh, they also did make a move to maybe satisfy him a little bit by bringing back Randall Cobb uh, from Houston. They sent Houston a six-round pick in 2022. Uh, Cobb, eight years in Green Bay before that. And he was, he was really one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite targets. And obviously he's not going to be the same player he was when he was here with Green Bay the first time. But giving him a security blanket, in a sense, and maybe allowing him to have somebody that he's used to might, at least for the first couple of weeks, you know, placate him. But do you see them letting him get involved in any more decisions as, you know, training camp opens up and the season gets started? Or are, is this just one of those things where it's like, hey, we're going to give you a toy, you go play with it, and then when the season's over, see you later, bye. Yeah, who knows, man? This thing is just... It's a mess. Like we said, neither neither side has looked good. Rodgers made himself look worse today. But, you know, bringing Randall Cobb in there to teaming with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, 
he can't say that he doesn't have weapons on this offense. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You know, when Devontae Adams came out today and said, you know, that he needs to be the highest paid wide receiver in the game, that he deserves that. So Devontae Adams has one foot out the door already too. So I'm not sure it's going to be a great year in Green Bay because if your best, if your quarterback and your best wide receiver are already planning their exit strategy, that's not exactly the way you want to go into a season and try to get back to the Super Bowl. No, not at all. It, it makes everything that much harder, and, and they're always looking for the next way to get out and who they could be going up and playing with next year. I mean, obviously, Devontae Adams very likely wants to go play in Vegas, and, and maybe with Derek Carr, who knows, maybe with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they get along well. They're, they're buddies. They, you know, Aaron Rodgers likes to target Devontae Adams, and I'm sure Adams likes catching the ball from Aaron Rodgers. So do you see a scenario where both of those guys go to Vegas and maybe Derek Carr gets moved on? Uh, it, it's possible, you know, they're both, it's going to come down to who it's basically going to come down to who's going to pay them the most money. You know, that's what they're both looking for. And, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I'm not a big Packers fan. I used to be Aaron Rodgers kind of ruined that for me. So as far as I'm concerned, I'd love to see him not win a game. And then both of them have to figure it out next year. That would be amazingly hilarious. Uh, someone else is kind of expressing frustration in the NFL is, is uh, Saints coach Sean Payton, uh, Michael Thomas, the probably one of the best receivers in the league right now, uh, had ankle surgery, but it was in June, and it's going to delay his start to get back to the team and maybe even affect him being available week one or two. Um, they kind of knew back in January that he was going to have to have this surgery. Is it a little interesting in your mind that uh, they waited until June to have this done? Or maybe was it just some sort of medical thing? Because nothing really came out as far as why it may have been delayed. Not even Coach Payton was like, hey, I, I didn't know why they delayed it. But a really interesting timing for them to have that surgery in June and may not be ready to go by the time, you know, training camp opens. Well, we saw these same kind of problems with Michael Thomas last year. He had injuries and then wasn't in a hurry to get back. And, you know, the team said he was okay and he said he wasn't. And, you know, so he's because, he's a diva too. You know, he – got a big contract and then all of a sudden he's become a problem you know a lot of people thought he was going to get traded out of new orleans last year uh yeah so i don't know what it is with wide receivers in the nfl but it seems like once they make any money it just goes to their head and then they are just become douchebag you know it's all about me and not about the team i mean you hate to say that but it's really the truth you know we've seen it time and time again you can go back to guys like terrell owens and randy moss and you know, there, there's a list of them that, you know, once they get a little bit of money, then, you know, they become an issue. And uh, I don't know why that is. You know, it doesn't happen with a lot of other positions, but for whatever reason, the wide receiver position seems to have that happen quite often. Well, we're very lucky to have been in St. Louis and had the greats and Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce, and they got their money, but both stayed pretty level-headed kind of down to earth and and obviously Isaac still does his camps here in St. Louis, a great ambassador for the game and a great ambassador for St. Louis as well. And we're just incredibly lucky to have them. And yes, the talent of a TO or the talent of a Randy Moss is something every team wants to have. But when you have the diva qualities about them, is that something that you want to have long-term? And that's why we see guys like that move frequently from team to team and why a guy like T.O. was available for a couple of years and no one brought him in because, like, no one wanted that kind of attitude on that team. And it's it's, it's just one of those things. And I don't get it as well. I don't understand why the wide receiver position is like that because, I mean, you get some running backs occasionally here and there that, that will become diva-ish. And then you've got quarterbacks, obviously. I mean, we're seeing with Aaron Rodgers right now. But for the most part, like you said, it's more wide receivers than anything else. I, I don't understand that either, and uh, it, it would be an interesting case study to see if uh, if anybody can really find a root cause for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's kind of baffling, honestly. But uh, we'll see what happens. The exciting thing is football is almost here. I know. What'd you say? How how long it is into the the first game, which is the Hall of Fame game? Saturday. Man, we're 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 done. We're we're done waiting for football. It's here. It is here. Wow. Well, uh, speaking of football, let's let's jump over to uh, the college side of things because this whole SEC Big 12 thing is continuing to just grow legs at a record pace. And now now you're getting 
destabilization of leagues lawsuits now potentially coming out, not just between the leagues, but also between networks as well. Because today the Big 12 came out and alleged that ESPN is trying to destabilize its league by suggesting other teams leave and go to other conferences, which will help facilitate the Texas-Oklahoma move to the SEC. Uh, I know that the Big 12 is kind of grasping at straws trying to hold this league together, but what do you make of this allocation, and does it hold any water? Uh, you know, it. I don't know how much water it holds. You know, ESPN is part owner of the SEC network, so you can see where they would be involved there and trying to get more teams to go there and do different things. So, you know, I'm sure it'll be something that drags out for a while and we'll see more information, but it's, it's just like, come on, let's just play football and let's leave all the court battles and the legal stuff out of the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm ready for college football to start, and I don't really care what league anybody's in. I mean, I, I just want to see good games, good competition, and people being able to be successful. And it, it doesn't really matter to me so much that what league it is, but we're getting closer and closer to these these super leagues. And, you know, the SEC could potentially be a 16-team league here very, very soon. Um, the, we, we've heard in the past about Congress have maybe stepping in – and all this stuff are, are we are we any closer to having that four team super conference thing or is it still just you know picking off from the big 12 carcass and slowly we're going to get to that point oh i think it's coming faster than a lot of people want it to it, it's going to happen in the next couple of years and i'm not sure it's good for the game but it's going to happen yeah, I agree. I think it, it's definitely going to happen. There was talks about it the last time this sort of happened when the SEC grew and then you had the Pac-12 grow and the Big Ten grow and all that. It seemed like it was going to be at that point, but they were able to kind of settle things down. But I think I think if Oklahoma, Texas, they jump to the SEC, that will be the signal that it's open season for everybody. And you just go and grab whatever you possibly can to make yourself the conference uh, in, in the in the United States because you don't want to be the one that's left out in the cold and essentially being an independent. I mean, Notre Dame has, has made the independent football side of things look pretty lucrative. Although they're at a point now where they're even exploring potentially getting into one of these conferences as well. So going independent isn't necessarily the greatest thing, but it, it, it might happen to a couple of these teams uh, when all is said and done, I mean, where do you think, you know, the majority of these big teams are going to end up? Is it going to be an SEC thing? Is it going to be a SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and something else? I mean, what, what are we looking at here? I think you'll still have the four conferences. I think it'll be the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. And, you know, they're just going to pretty much absorb everybody, or at least the, the relevant schools. What's going to be interesting to see is what happens to teams like Kansas, that's just a basketball school. Do they have to go form a conference with like a Memphis and a Cincinnati and some of those big East teams that are just basketball school, you know, a Georgetown and drop their football program and maybe go that way, you know, because nobody's going to bring Kansas in for their football program because their football program doesn't bring in any money, you know, so that's, that's not going to entice anybody to want Kansas. The only thing they're going to want them for is their basketball program. So, you know, that'll be interesting. You know, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And then how does the playoff work? Because when you have all these teams, they're going to be knocking each other off, so you're not going to have undefeated teams. You know, you may have two or three lost teams playing in a conference championship or in a national championship game at that point. Uh, you know, it's just really going to change the whole landscape of college football. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. It really, really is. It's going to be a really fun next couple of years, really. I mean, just seeing uh, how this goes. But we're ready for college football to start. We're excited for what Mizzou's going to be able to put out there this year. And we're getting closer and closer and closer to having a big interview coming up here as well. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, I mean, like I said, a lot of big stuff going down today. Not so much as far as the Cardinals or Blues can, are concerned. Uh, but definitely something we're going to continue to keep our ears to the ground on because at any point, a Vladimir Tarasenko could be traded. Uh, at any point, a, a Matthew Kachuk could potentially be wearing the blue note. We'll see. Uh, at any point, the Cardinals could make a big move as well. We'll see. And, and if 
you know, the trade deadline coming up on Friday. Free agency is now open in the NHL. Obviously, the Blues having to get rid of Tarasenko before they can really make a big-time move. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, anything else you got before we head out tonight, Scott? So here's a question for you. We talk about the Blues fans being frustrated. How badly would Blues fans lose their mind if Matthew Kachuk gets traded this offseason and it's not to the St. Louis Blues? I think uh, Doug Armstrong will be run out of town if that is the case because the Blues have the potential as far as prospects, picks that can be moved to Calgary for that. And every indication I have read and seen is that Matthew Kachuk wants to play in St. Louis. So it's not a matter of Kachuk not wanting to be here. It's a matter of of the Blues stepping up and, and being willing to part with the guys that need to be parted with to bring him in. And, you know, it, it still goes back to my my point I made a couple of months ago about is Tom Stillman too nice of an owner to where he can't say, Doug, this is what I want done. You know, I mean, I'm not huge into owners meddling in their team's business, but Tom Stillman is, is a hockey guy. He understands what hockey is about. He understands what will work and what will not work, obviously, because he helped build this team into a Stanley Cup winning team. So if he wants the Blues to go after Matthew Kachuk, he needs to be able to tell Doug Armstrong, look, I'm telling you, you need to go get Matthew Kachuk. I just don't know if he he would do that. And that's the thing that kind of frustrates me a little bit. And, and I don't want to say I'm frustrated at Tom Stillman because he, he's done so much for this team in this city. But at some point, you got to look at it and go, yeah, I can tell I can say all I want. We're going to spend to the cap. But if they're not spending the cap for the guys that I feel like we could potentially bring in, What's that actually going to do? So I think if, if Kachuk does get traded either this year or in the offseason, it's not to the Blues. Doug Armstrong will be run out of town by Blues fans, and it'll kind of be Tom Stillman's fault. So it, it, it would be similar to uh, Cardinals fans not being happy that Max Scherzer gets traded to someplace other than the Cardinals? Um. Yeah, yeah but, but – the Cardinals fans have been trying to push Mo out for a long time. This this would be something that would be almost immediate in my mind. I mean, Mo has kind of been a slow burn in a sense where fans have been frustrated over the years and more and more fans are becoming frustrated with it. Whereas I think with, with Armstrong, if that move happens, yeah, it's going to be fast and hot. And we all know that Blues fans have a, a bit more of a shorter temper than Cardinals fans. But that would be the powder keg exploding is if Kachuk were to get dealt and not to be to St. Louis. Isn't it funny how similar these two franchises are? Talk about both owners being guys that are very knowledgeable over the game that are involved in making winning franchises and then questioning whether they're able to have control over their general managers and whether they're making letting them make the moves and not necessarily making smart moves. They're almost mere images of each other in a lot of ways at this point, uh, which is scary, I think. Yeah, Team STL, right? Team STL. Right, yeah. Yeah, so uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe both teams do something big and we're praising uh, Army and Mo by the weekend. Let's let's cross our fingers. Let's definitely cross our fingers. And uh, if anybody has voodoo dolls that they want to use to help facilitate that or, or whatever kind of preparations you can do, to facilitate a big move here or there for both those teams, go go ahead and do that. And also, on a more serious note, while while we're talking about using your powers for good, uh, definitely want to make sure that uh, people are keeping uh, our friend Blues fan, fan reacts in their prayers tonight. Uh, a little bit shaken tonight. Uh, he he dealt with a, a, a robbery at gunpoint uh, at, in his home and a car stolen tonight. Uh, I, we want to make sure that. Uh, we keep him in our thoughts and our prayers because he's a little shaken up right now. And as we know, Mason is a really, really good guy and we want to make sure he is safe and sound and secure. Uh, so if you guys want to keep him in your thoughts and prayers, that will be great. We very, very much appreciate that. He was going to be on tonight to talk about the blues and to rant about the blues. Uh, but he's understandably, uh, resting at home and making sure he's okay. So definitely keep Mason in your thoughts and prayers as well. And uh, Mason, we hope to get you back on here real soon. If not the next couple of days, at least on toasted blues on Sunday. Uh, so we are thinking about you buddy and uh, hopefully everything is okay there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Scary situation for sure. 
Definitely, so, definitely. One one last sports thing before we leave. NBA note. Bradley Beal. There's been a lot of talk that Bradley Beal may leave Washington, and there have been some connections to maybe Bradley Beal goes to the West Coast, to L.A., or to the, to the Lakers or the Clippers. Bradley Beal came out and said, no, that's not really where I want to go. You, want to, you know where I want to go? I want to go to Boston and play with my buddy Jason Tatum if I get traded. So if that would happen, I think St. Louis would have to adopt the Celtics as their basketball team if Tatum and Beal both ended up playing in the green and white. Uh, You hear that, Boston? You hear that, Boston Celtics? Uh, We are a uh, NBA free agent. So if you bring in Bradley Beal, let us know what uh, what the the Celtics have to offer. We might become a Boston Celtics team. Uh, We're close to Memphis. But we might become a Boston Celtics uh, uh, station if uh, if you guys want us on board. Although there, there's a lot of St. Louis fans that hate Boston sports so much, they may turn on us if we became Celtics supporters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last time the, the Celtics disappointed us was before most of us were born. So I think in that instance, maybe fans could make an exception. So we'll see about that. We'll see. Oh boy! Oh boy! We, yeah, we're still uh, we're still technically NFL free agents as well. So you know the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bears, the the Titans, the Colts. Uh, if any of you guys, uh, if you want us to be your your, your team supporter, uh, you know, let us let us know what you can offer. I mean, Tom got a bunch of stuff from the Cardinals, as you can see that their logos on our screen. But uh, we're still technically uh, an NFL free agent. So you know, whatever whatever you guys want to to send our way to to make us your fans, we'll we'll definitely take it and promote you guys all the time. Maybe we should reach out to uh, Cleveland see if we can get the Browns to send us some stuff. And, uh, Ooh, I know you'd a, like that. Yeah, that would make me happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll reach out to the Browns as well because they are relatively close too. So, All right, well, guys, uh, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be back tomorrow night with even more sports news. I know the Cardinals will be off tomorrow, but like I said, the, the trade deadline is quickly approaching. Maybe we'll be talking about a couple moves the Cardinals do uh, make and – Maybe it's 2011 all over again where they make a move that you go, oh, that was interesting, a couple of relievers and, and this and that. Maybe that's what the Cardinals do. Maybe we go on a run and make something magical happen on, oh, wait, what's that? That's the 10-year anniversary of 2011. Oh, it's also the 15-year anniversary of 2006. Hmm. Maybe the know. cards are lining up. You never know. You never know. So thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you guys tomorrow around 9 o'clock here on Toasted Tavern for Scott I Am Wags. Have a great rest of your night. We'll see you guys later. Hey, it's you, man, here from Casey. For all your sports news, catch the Toasted Tavern with Scott Tobin and the man called Wags weeknights at 9 p.m. You can follow Toasted Tavern on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's get toasted.